Welcome to Valley of Graces, Healing Our Brokenness. And today's episode is The Comparison Trap. Comparison does so many different things to our lives. Once it has eaten us alive and had us for dinner, it leaves us feeling emptier and emptier and not understanding why we are just not good enough. It feeds off of the broken pieces of rejection, jealousy, competition, and low self-worth. Let's investigate the sad story of comparison between sisters Leah and Rachel. Leah was the older of the sisters. We are told that she was born with a weak eye and that Rachel was beautiful. I can relate to Leah because I myself was born with a weak eye and a half lazy eye. When there are visible physical flaws, people tend to stare at those areas. This makes the person with these issues even more self-conscious. And in Genesis 29:17, we are told, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. The second section of scripture that tells us why Leah became fruitful right away is in Genesis 29, 30 through 31. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. We see that self-worth comes into play because Leah mentions on more than one occasion that her husband would love her now that God had opened her womb. We see how the phrase, oh, but he will love me since I'm pregnant with his child, worked out even then. She said nothing about God loving her and his love for her being enough. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, 
Now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I've borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And that's in Genesis 29, 32, and 34. In verse 35 of Genesis, it seems as though Leah has finally resolved to be content in the state that she was in. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. And Judah means praise. So we thought... But unfortunately, the comparison trap and discontentment was Leah's and Rachel's stronghold. Right after Leah's place of contentment, her sister Rachel just couldn't stand this reality. And she insisted that Jacob would sleep with her handmaid so that she could have children. And since Leah had left childbearing, she followed suit and doing the same. Rachel said, I've had a great struggle with my sister and I have won. So she named him Naphtali which means my struggle. When Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her slave Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as his wife. And that's in Genesis 30, eight through nine. The vicious cycle of rejection, no self-worth and discontentment started up again. Leah said, I've been blessed. Women will call me blessed. So she named him Asher. And Leah said, God hath endued me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulon. Comparison's disillusionment begins when we believe our winning makes someone else lose. And this quote is taken from Why Her by Nikki Koziarts. It is really something when you think about it. We have all been guilty of this either as a kid or an adult. I have also heard the reverse of this happen. Women have expressed that because something happened to someone to cause financial devastation that they were competing with, it means that now they have the upper hand. Where does God tell us in his word that we should be rejoicing over someone else's misfortune? Of course, once Rachel showed that they were playing the let's see how many babies I can make game, Leah also showed that she had not healed from her self-worth issues. This cycle of no self-worth, discontentment, and rejection could have gone on and on for days. And even at our jobs, in our neighborhoods, and in our churches, We minimize other people's roles, gifts, and talents that are different from ours. Why? We are so insecure that we feel the need to promote ourselves to feel important. I am a Sunday school teacher, and each teacher in our Sunday school department has a unique area that God has created us to hone in on. Taking pointers from each other would be helpful in increasing our effectiveness and getting the gospel to the kids and showing them the love of Christ. However, we can't be the other teachers. We can't approach the kids in the same exact way as the other teachers. And why? 
God has uniquely designed us to function according to our wiring and gifts, especially given to us from birth. Also through our ethnicity, our cultural experiences, our family patterns of functions, dysfunctions, and etc. Once again, we cannot be the other person. It will not work. Maximizing my achievements and gifts in order to minimize yours means that I have not fully embraced how wonderfully creative our God is and his decision to make no two people alike. I have chosen to settle for the broken pieces of comparison trap, insecurity, and competition instead of God's unique plan for each of our lives. And so what does God say about our gifts? There is one body, but it has many parts, but all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit. And so we're all formed into one body. It didn't matter. We were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. Suppose that the foot says, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, I cannot stop being part of the body. And suppose the ear says, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how could it smell? God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts, but there is only one body. And he has given more honor to the parts that didn't have any. In that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them will take care of one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part shares in its joy. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. And this was taken from 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Minimizing my achievements and gifts in order to maximize yours means that I haven't fully embraced my uniqueness in Christ. I have chosen to settle for the broken pieces of discontentment, self-rejection, and identity denial. And it says in Psalms 8, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy hand, fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yeah, and the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Men and women get caught up in the comparison trap. It appears to be much worse among the women than the men. But what are the things that we are comparing? Family devotional time, clothing, household decor, 
cars, kids' extracurricular activities, the way that the kids address us as parents. The list goes on and on. But what if we decided to live differently? What if instead of trying to keep up, we're praying and asking God for direction? What if we're sincerely seeking it and going after it wholeheartedly, allowing God to glue the broken pieces of rejection, jealousy, bitterness, and competition? What if we decided to start thanking God for what we have rather than trying to figure out how to get something that we don't? I was watching Little House on the Prairie and it's an old 70s and 80s show. And it was when Charles Ingalls and his family had just left the mercantile exchange and they were walking home. Mr. Olson called out to Charles and told him that he was a lucky man to have the kind of family that he did. What was Charles's response? I know. He didn't get caught up wishing that he had something better. He already knew the value of what he had. Honesty teaches us to stop fearing what we don't so we can see what we do. And that also was taken from Why Her, uh, the book Why Her by Nikki Kosiarts. So the question is, how do we get out of this cycle? We confess that we've sinned and ask for forgiveness. We ask God what he wants for us individually and pray for grace to live according to our convictions. We ask God to reveal what he wants for us individually and pray for grace to live according to our convictions. Ask God to reveal what his perfect is for our families. Uplift and encourage each other. Especially us women, we need help with that. And encouraging each other to walk in the Lord, that is. Ask God to show us what his will is for each of our children. And when Satan puts the inkling in our hearts to compare and become envious of others, be honest about our feelings and tell God about them. Learn to be thankful for every single thing that God has blessed us with, material or not. And lastly, realize that when we have issues with what others have blessed us with, I mean, what others have been blessed with, rather, we have issues with God, who is the giver and maker of all things. He gives and he takes away. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed rest of your day.
never gonna fade away When I see I need more of him He whispers the sweetest of mercies upon my ears And I won't go back the way it was again, again for me